Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. All right. That was my little birdie noise. That was your birdie noise. Yeah. Well, it fits the day. It It, does. It's so pretty. It's sunny. It's beautiful. I'm ready to go outside and go for a walk. I know. Yeah. We should. Two more episodes. Yes. We don't have time for that. Yeah. Get it together, Sarah. (laughs) Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) You got to make time. It's important. That's right. All right. So we are jumping into a new series. This is the first one of a new series. First one. Guess what it's called? Medical Medical skepticism. skepticism. (laughs) Bam. Da-da-da. Okay, so we we talk to a lot of survivors. A lot. And we see, I see a pattern. I'm curious your thoughts. So when you're in that fight or flight mode of just going through treatment, you're kind of like in trauma mode. Yep. But what I notice is that over time, the further out you are from treatment, mm-hmm. it's almost like the higher the medical skepticism goes. Do you agree with that? Yes, yes and no. I mean, I, I really do think it's the person. Really? You think it's like... Uh, yeah. In, in, I mean, because you have... You have grown in your medical skepticism, and you were further out from treatment when I met you than I was. Yeah. So you're saying that I'm looking through it f- through my own lens because Correct. I became more medically skeptical the longer out I was. Right. I think it's the people who you surround yourself with, and I think it's the, I think it's just how you're treated, and I think it's your, you know, it's how it goes. No. Okay. Every everyone is different. I I mean I definitely wouldn't want to say like this is the vein. But well, yeah, I'm not going to say everybody. I'm just yeah. saying that I have noticed that people develop more medical skepticism. Let, let me put it this way. Once you've had a major health event and mm-hmm. you've kind of gone through the healthcare system in mm-hmm. a major way, mm-hmm. it seems to me that at some point everybody questions the system. Sure. I mean, I would say like I feel like at some point 90 percent of the people we talk to sure. have, at, yeah. you know, started if questioning it's insurance approving or disapproving or if it's a doctor burning you in some way or if it's you sure. know, like, yeah, yeah, there's always something. I mean, when you're dealing with people, yeah. it's going to happen. Totally. So would you consider yourself medically skeptical? <laughs> Yeah. I almost I almost couldn't. Say <laughs> Why that. do you even ask? I that almost <laughs> I almost couldn't say that with a straight face. <laughs> you're hilarious. All right. So I try to tamp down my medical skepticism. I know. But you know it, what? It, it, get it makes for, furry. No, it makes for good conversation. I don't know? even want to take Tylenol. Well, <laughs> I have a, to be dying to take Tylenol. There's a lot of people like that. I actually was talking to a survivor the other day and unrelated, but she has like a knee problem. Uh-huh. And her orthopedic was like, you actually don't need surgery, which she was happy to hear. But oh, she was nice. in a lot of chronic pain and they couldn't yeah. quite figure out the source. And she's like, I don't even want to take. You know, she's like, I don't like taking ibuprofen or Tylenol, you know. And yeah. so she was struggling with trying to manage her pain without going down that road so it's hard yeah so today we're going to talk about what is medical skepticism yep we're going to talk about why it exists right and what you can do if you are medically skeptical yeah but before we do all that we are going to hear from our first sponsor thriven is a proud sponsor of faith through fire thriven believes money is a tool and not a goal 
The Gateway Financial Group with Thrivent is local to the St. Louis area and can work with you to create a financial strategy that reflects your priorities and helps you protect the things that matter to you, like family and giving back. Please call 314-783-4214 to schedule a free consultation with one of Thrivent's Gateway Financial Advisors. And we're back. All right. So medical skepticism has been defined as doubt in the ability of conventional medical care to appreciably alter one's health status. That's I mean, a, let's let's say that again. That's a mouthful. Let's say that again for all the people in the back. That's a mouthful. Doubt, basically, to actually improve your health. It's yes. kind of it's kind of right. the dumbed yep. down version of what I just said. Well, okay. Don't say dumbed down. Layman's. Layman's turns. Well, layman's turns. All right. The simple. Who do you feel is portrayed as medically skeptical? The people who don't know better Mm -hmm. as typically, well, you know, if you have an opinion about something, well, it's just because you don't know better. Probably the inexperienced, well, like I, people who feel like they might be wiser because they have experienced more. Mm -hmm. I mean, off the top of my head, that's probably all I can think about. Yeah, I agree with you. I think also in the medical circles, they will often point to, like you said, the undereducated mm-hmm. minorities, mm-hmm. rural communities, mm-hmm. the poor. Yeah. And I think it goes hand in hand with this concept of you just don't know. Yeah. Right. Because you don't have you don't have access to the things that right. maybe somebody else. You don't might. have access yeah. like everybody else does. Yeah. I take exception to this and I'll mm-hmm. tell you why. I think that there are plenty of educated white middle class or wealthy people who are medically skeptical. For sure. Right? I mean, yeah. we we deal with all kinds of patients, and mm-hmm. I have not seen a huge difference between the medically skeptical no. that fall into those prior categories totally. and those that don't. Yeah, I think, and this is completely uneducated, mm-hmm. but just based on what I think, I think the difference in compliance or maybe pursuing a medical procedure or whatever, I think that it's a different mindset. I think that sometimes that you know, the people who are, let's just say, educated and middle class or wealthy, I think they're medically skeptical, too. I think their mindset is, well, healthcare isn't focused on wellness mm-hmm. or preventative care. Mm-hmm. All they do is respond. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of at the mercy of the current system. So there's mm-hmm. no better alternative. So I just have to do this for lack of better mm-hmm. options. Yeah. So it's not like I'm scared. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. Like a couple of weeks ago, I was dealing with like my ears were all clogged up. Mm-hmm. And I think my husband was like, well, why don't you just take medicine? You're in pain. And it's like, yeah, but I want to know why. Like I can take medicine and cover up the pain. But when you get to this place of different thinking, when you stop thinking about how to patch the hole, but why the hole is there, mm-hmm. then your eyes just become open to what you're not hearing or not what you're not learning. Right. I mean, I, I agree with you. I just think, I think everybody is medically skeptical to, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just the motivation is different. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I, there's well, just. Well, then, then you, then you look at medical providers and I think our system is a little broken and I'm sure we're going to get into this in more episodes, but when you look at the system, the system is broken down into systems. Like you're mm-hmm. gonna go, you're gonna go see an endocrinologist if something is wrong with your, you know, your thyroid, or, but never mind that that thyroid is also influenced by 
you know, a your blood of, or right. by what you're eating or by your gut. Or well, I mean, by, there's, there's, you know, and, and there's some arguments about being overly specialized, right? Mm-hmm, you right. go because you're having, yeah. you know, this issue and you go see a specialist for that. And they're looking at it through the lens of only their expertise. And so they're not looking at the entire body. They're when I, when I, I remember being in school, so I'm an athletic trainer mm-hmm. and I remember being in school and learning. We had a non-surgical orthopedist come in and teach us a lesson about something and I can't remember what he came in and taught us even but I just remember thinking he said something and I don't even remember his words but I remember it hitting home like if you go see a surgical orthopedist he's going to probably recommend surgery because that's the lane that he's in and that's what he sees Mm -hmm. and if you go see a non-surgical orthopedist he's probably going to offer non-surgical options so if surgery is what you want go see a surgeon Mm -hmm. if non-surgery is what you want then go see a Mm non-surgical provider and and I thought that was really interesting because very rarely are you going to go walk into some place and they're going to tell you to do not what they do. <laughs> yeah. But you know yeah. what? I was talking to a survivor the other day and she's having like huge knee problems mm-hmm. and she went to the orthopedist and they were like, well, before we do surgery, we think you should try physical therapy and this mm-hmm. and that. And she was annoyed. Yeah. She's like, I want and she wanted an, she they did an x-ray, but they didn't see anything. And she wanted an MRI because she's like, if I have a tear, I just want to have the surgery. I don't mm-hmm. want to have to go through all the rigmarole of PT. And see, this is where this is where the talk of medical skepticism is very multifaceted mm-hmm. because in certain situations, I think people are just, they just want to get fixed. Mm-hmm. Like if you've been struggling with pain from something, like now your quality of life is diminished because mm-hmm. you can't go up and downstairs, you can't crawl on the floor with your kids or your grandkids or whatever. And you're like, I just want the fix. I don't want to have to go through hoop after hoop after hoop. Mm-hmm. And if you've already got your mind set on something, like then you just, you just want to hear that. Mm-hmm. And I, and this is where I think providers, you know, to stick up for the providers is like, there are some providers who they want to try everything besides cutting you or giving you medicine. Mm-hmm. But if you walk in and that's what you want, then, mm-hmm. you know, they're trying to decide what you want in 30 seconds or less. Like, are you that person who wants the quick fix? Or are you the person who wants? Well, that wants raises that? that raises a whole nother question, which is that are providers there to give the patient what they want or are they there to give them what they need? Exactly. Right. Which is something that is pretty contentious in today's today's world yeah. is like, you know, the role of the provider has changed drastically. It, I mean, it really I can imagine that it is a crazy world out there for the providers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So before we kind of go into why we think medical skepticism exists, you want to do boobs in the news? Well, let's do it. All right. Boobs in the News is a fun segment where we read funny tweets by real people or ridiculous news stories. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. So this comes <laughs> this comes from the AP. It comes out of Iowa. So it says, at first, the recent winner of a $40 million jackpot says he couldn't believe he won the lottery because he bought the ticket on April Fool's Day. So... <laughs> <laughs> this poor man, he was like, I don't know if I really won because I bought it on April Fool's Day. Oh, he so, thought he was like being punked. <laughs> his name's Earl. He said Aww, he thought it was Earl. a joke. He's 61 years old. He's a retired mechanic. Um, and only after confirming his Lotto America ticket with a convenience store clerk was he convinced that he actually won, which is so funny. It's kind of funny. It's I think cute, it's so though. cute. It's so cute. So he opted to take his winnings in cash. So the $40 million is actually 2128 if you take it in cash versus like an annuity paid over 29 years. Yeah. This guy's like, heck no, I'm He's taking like, my money. Care. I just want to get out of here right. before you realize that it was an April Fool's joke. Right, right. Yeah. right. Well, and Earl's probably like, dude, I think 20 million's just fine. Just fine. Right. Yeah. I'll just He's going to be fine. I just take, you want to talk about skepticism. He did not trust the system no. to pay him out right. over 29 years. Right. No, because taxes could go up. 
And then I you just, pay more. I, I mean, you see too many th- people with like, oh, my pension's gone because they spent it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know Earl's like thinking, uh-uh, I'm going to yeah. take my cut. Yeah. I'm going to be no happy kidding. with 20 million. No kidding. Gosh, so, I'd be happy with 20 million. Right. <laughs> so I guess he played this Lotto America, which is only in 13 states and it has smaller prizes than like Powerball and Mega Millions, although mm-hmm. 40 million is a pretty good pot. I'll take it. <laughs> and he said that like it's better odds, too. So it's one in 26 million chances oh which i mean still 26 million gosh that's huge so he says that he intends to use the money to help his family and is going to make donations to benefit children with medical issues oh right Aww, so we like earl, earl you're not the you're boo. not a boo nope no. we just i just wanted to share we'll there just say the taxes are the boo there you go <laughs> boobs in the news boobs in the news boobs in the news boobs in the news all right we're back Let's talk about why we think medical skepticism exists. We've talked about it a little bit. Like, you just don't know, right, is kind of what's being told. But I think they underestimate how much patients see and understand. I'd be interested to know if you knew this. I knew this. But it's pretty shocking. Medical errors are the third leading cause of death in America. Ooh, that's gross. Yeah. (laughs) Third leading cause of death in America. 250,000 people in the United States die every year because of medical mistakes. This is what keeps you up at night before you, your surgery. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is what kept me up at night, at night before my this surgery. This is why people are medically skeptical, because right. you can say that they're undereducated or they don't know. But chances are everybody has known somebody who has had a bad or dire consequence. Of that just por- reminded me of, of a song. <laughs> I got to rein you in. Like, you are a <laughs> no. hot mess today. Like, you are a hot mess today. I know. It's so funny. Everybody knows somebody that knows somebody. Oh, my gosh. Well, we got to me- make light. It's medical skepticism. <laughs> let me ask you. Do you know somebody? So we- everybody actually- knows somebody. Well, yes. So before we talk about our friend Z, and we're not going to oh, use right. his real yeah, name. Right. Z. We're not going to use his real name. So I will tell you, like, my grandfather was in really good outward health. I mean, he looked. he was thin. He was active. And this was back in the 80s. But he was having pain you know, heart pain and Mm -hmm. chest pain. And it was excruciating. Like he was biting down on a towel and he kept going back Mm -hmm. to his primary care doctor who he trusted. And instead of the primary care doctor being like, I'm out of my depth, like you need to go see a cardiologist. He kept trying to manage it. Right. Oh no. Short. Anyway, short story is my grandpa had a massive heart attack. He died when I was in third grade. Everybody has had a situation where they haven't received the best medical care. So when you're trying to say to people like, you just don't know, well, personal experience reads louder than anything that you can tell someone i think i think in cancer care man i hear that story and i don't know about you but in cancer care we hear all the time how women get brushed off for the lumps that they feel mm-hmm. like you're too young mm-hmm. you know it's nothing and, they and, get a delay that sounds exactly like what happened to your grandpa yeah like, they get a delayed uh, diagnosis yeah. or which is why we're always advocating for women to really be aggressive with your care like right don't take no like for example and this is I've said this before about my own story, but when I called my OB and said I felt a lump, they're like, well, are you on your period? And I said, yeah. And they go, it's a swollen lymph node. You're fine. Don't uh-huh, worry about it. Uh-huh. And I hung up and my husband's like, see, you're good. And I said, no. I called him back. I said, I want that mammogram. And yeah. they're like, okay. And I was stage two breast cancer. Yep. So that's why we're always telling women, like, if you, yeah. you know something's wrong, you you go for it, right? Yeah. Like, you don't take that first answer. But we all have known somebody that have had a poor outcome in medicine. So you yeah. want to talk about our friend Z? Because that's pretty... Man, this is a big story. This is a big story. So we have a friend. He has a very common last name, like Smith, okay? And short story is he had something on his throat. He went in to check out, get it checked out. His mm-hmm. wife told him, go get that checked out. Let's make sure it's not thyroid cancer. 
They did a biopsy. They called him. They said it's thyroid cancer. They had him remove his thyroid. And after they removed his thyroid, they called and said, we got your results mixed up with somebody else. You never had cancer. You never had cancer. Now his quality of life has gone downhill drastically. And you and, and it, it does sound as simple as like you get to take a pill for the rest of your life to figure out, Mm-mm. you know, your it, it's like a it's a thyroid hormone that you'll replace. But it's like your thyroid does so much and trying to find the right levels. Anybody who's like has hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism is like trying to figure out the right dosing medication and everything to get that delicate, delicate balance of hormones is like. It's so hard. I mean, we talked to him recently and we were like, how are you doing? And he's like, this year has been horrible because he isn't sleeping. He lost Uh a ton of weight. He isn't enjoying. He doesn't have the energy to do the things he loves like hunt. Which is all things that. That, that's his quality of life, yeah. right? And this was all done because of a medical mistake. It yeah. happens all the time. And so I used to work for a hospital and we used to have these near miss meetings where you'd sit there and mm-hmm. talk about like where you screwed up and how you can avoid it, which to their credit, great. Yeah. <laughs> great. I mean, it's a it's a people business, right? Mm-hmm. So there are going to be mistakes. But when people hear these stories, mm-hmm. that's what breeds medical skepticism. And I'm glad that you bring that up because I think it is important that we say that we're like, this series is not to vilify mistakes because mistakes happen. They mm-hmm. absolutely happen. But I think it's just crazy that we're pl- we're playing with people's lives here and we're not playing with people's lives like these are people's lives. And there is a reason why medical skepticism happens and it can't be blamed on the uneducated and ed- trying to educate others on what they should and shouldn't believe about medicine. It's like we have to recognize that mistakes happen and that is, you know, that contributes to why people are skeptical about right. uh, they about have medicine. stories. Yeah, there right? are there are there stories, stories out there and they should not be quieted. No, so. there are stories out there and we and we want to bring attention to that as a reason for medical skepticism. Right. And it's all about just getting to know people mm-hmm. and understanding them and not making assumptions about people. Yeah. So, let's see. I mean, I think that relationship you know, that's kind of what I'm saying, right? Relationship is important. Mm-hmm. Do you think that relationships exist between providers and patients? We just talked about how we work in systems and not necessarily people. Like- I think in certain situations, like I, we, I've talked to a couple of survivors who are like, can't wait to go back to see their oncologist or the mm-hmm. nurse's staff and everything. I think in the good offices, great relationships happen. Agreed. I think, I think that there is opportunity for better relationships to happen. But, you know, I, I also recognize that some really great providers are really terrible at relationships. So, you know, mm-hmm. we can't vilify them just because they don't well, know how also, to be friendly. <laughs> they're also working in this crazy system of electronic health records. Yeah. The amount of time that a provider is expected to chart yeah, it's versus, crazy. versus spend time with the patient yeah. to actually address their health issues yeah. is absolutely heinous. Yeah. Like it's a complete breakdown of the system. Yeah. It's doctors and nurses are leaving the field in droves mm-hmm. because they don't feel like they're practicing medicine anymore. They yeah. are literally charting yeah. all their interactions and meeting requirements and not practicing medicine anymore. So we yeah. have to kind of recognize what are they up against? And they are up against a system that's been yep. created, you know, protocols, electronic health records. And and also, I mean, you and I have said this multiple times, but we feel like it's sick care, not wellness. Nope, not at all. You're yeah. not seeing people that are trying to keep you healthy. You're seeing people who are giving you medication to fix yeah, and if you're trying to chase that well train in our in our medical system that it is now, it's like it's so hard because there you can rarely find a provider that will treat you as a whole person. They'll mm-hmm. they'll treat you in what you're experiencing within the system that they know. Mm-hmm. But 
they can't help you, you know, get better sleep at night. <laughs> well, and, and what happens and here's the danger. What happens is patients feel dissatisfied mm -hmm. with the level of care they're receiving. They go out and try to find it on their own. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they find a good wellness mm -hmm. provider mm -hmm. or a functional medicine doctor. And other times they don't. Yeah. Or they, you know, they take supplements that are not FDA regulated who could be hurting them more than no helping supplements them. are FDA regulated. Well, yeah. But you know what I mean? Research based. Research based yeah. supplements and things like that. And people that have, you know, the right certifications. I mean, there's there's a whole animal out there. And people are going out and trying to find their own solutions for lack of a better, mm -hmm. you know. So I, I just think there's a danger to that. Lack of transparency about hospital or healthcare mistakes leads mm -hmm. to more distrust. You know, oh, yeah, because they'll quiet it. There, there's yeah. no accountability. Yeah. Now, I understand that they're not going to say, hey, guess what? We took out somebody's thyroid that mm -hmm. shouldn't have gotten it taken out and are bad. They're yeah. not going to. It's, it's a litigation nightmare, right? Yeah. It's a PR nightmare. But I think we have kind of moved into this area where it's like at all costs, we don't show any accountability for any mistake. Yeah. And we'll get into that at, at a future episode. But it's just it's such a miss because yeah. you build trust by being honest and vulnerable and vulnerable. even about even about the stuff that's really hard to be vulnerable. And good about. leaders will do it. Yeah. But those are few and far between. So in the coming weeks, we're going to delve into recent events that have patients skeptical of the medical system. And in the meantime, before we kind of talk about what you can do if you're medically skeptical, let's hear from our second sponsor. It's important to have a primary care doctor that you can count on. At BJC Healthcare, world-class and compassionate primary care providers are ready to see you at offices close to home. And you can count on BJC to make it easy with convenient online scheduling, virtual visits, and direct messaging. To find a BJC primary care provider near you and to schedule an appointment online, visit bjc.org forward slash primary care. All right, we are back. So what what do you feel like you do? If, like when you feel you're... <laughs> I, I ask a lot of questions. Yeah, same. I ask a lot of questions. I come armed with studies. Yep. And I ask my doctor, like, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? You know, the last time I did it, I, you know, had been put on high cholesterol medication. Mm-hmm. And I had been reading about how all cholesterol is not bad cholesterol. Mm -hmm. It really depends on particle size. So I went and got a bunch of papers mm -hmm. and studies and I came into the office. And, and I, I think more of that is being released. I, more is being released well, I in, shared the, in the area of wellness. And I think it is. I shared it. And and my and the, the provider that I talked to was like, yeah, I think you're probably safe to not take cholesterol medication. But, you know, she... She was also very, you know, like when you get older, we need to reevaluate this. You know, <laughs> yeah. they don't want somebody having a heart attack on their watch and they right. took them off their cholesterol meds. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it is it's it's a it's a double edged sword. But I think when you're more educated about your body and more educated about the whole system, like you can feel confident in your decision because at the end of the day, it's your health and they're advising you on your health. I think you just come in with the information that you can find and just have a true conversation about it. Right. And then it always falls back to what Sarah and I say, which is that you do you mm -hmm. because you're the one that has to live with yourself. Right. Like you make the decision that's in your best interest, right? So we have second opinion as something that you can always seek out. And I find it really interesting because I actually just had a conversation with somebody this week that was like, how do you go about getting a second opinion? And I was like, well, you just do. You literally call They're up very... another doctor and you, you get one. <laughs> Patients are very worried about offending their doctor by asking uh -huh. for a second opinion, which yeah. I find really interesting. And it's sad. Like, I think it's 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 sad that we're not creating this culture of like, you know, 
this culture that it feels safe to go out and find another, like to get another opinion, mm. because really what that does, if you are the best doctor that you can be, then you should feel validated. Yeah, we had a patient. The other thing I was going to say is ask for the stats. Mm-hmm. We had a patient the other day that was trying to determine whether or not they wanted this one particular treatment. Mm-hmm. They were real hesitant about it, but their mm-hmm. doctor was pushing it. And I said, well, what are the stats? Mm-hmm. What, it, what is the statistical benefit Mm -hmm. for you Mm -hmm. with your disease state if you take this and she's like oh i don't know i didn't ask and i Mm -hmm. said that's the question i would ask is because i made a medical decision when i was told oh you'll get an extra two percent chance that you won't reoccur if you Mm -hmm. do this and i'm like two percent is not worth my quality of life to me right but then i can make that decision because i knew it was two percent yeah if they would have said 95 percent that would have been a different conversation, yeah. you know, conversation. Yeah. So just don't be afraid to ask for the stats. Yeah. If they can't give them to you, that's when I would highly recommend a second opinion. Right. <laughs> and here's the big thing. I find a provider that you trust. Mm-hmm. Have that relationship. We've talked, we talked very early on in the podcast about, you know, you might want the smart guy with no personality or you might want the person that has all the personality and that makes you feel really mm-hmm. like good about yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to know what, what you need. Yep. But have a good relationship with your provider because that's that's how you have that trust, right? For sure. That mutual respect. Last point, I think probably before we wrap it up, is bring an advocate. And I, I want to hear about why you think that because I have my own reasons. But I want to hear about why you maybe took somebody to your appointments. I mean, I took people to my appointments for multiple reasons. One is because when you're traumatized, you don't hear the information the mm-hmm. way it's being relayed. Mm-hmm. And doctors deal with this all the time. Yeah. Patients hear one thing, what they said totally. is another. So yeah. there's that piece of it. The second piece of it is just getting, having a good conversation mm-hmm. on the way home. Like, you know, one, you can say something and the person can say, oh, I, I didn't hear it that way. Like, yeah. I heard it yep. this way. But also hear, you know, weigh the pros and cons and get yep. somebody else's input. Again, you have to make the decision that's best for you. But I think it's always helpful. We're social creatures, right? Yeah. We seek out collaboration yeah so totally. i just think it helps to have somebody there so yeah. that you and it, it also reduces isolation yeah you go by yourself you hear the information by yourself you're making a decision by yourself it's just mm-hmm. it's hard yeah yeah i yeah, mean you, what do you yeah, think no no i'm i'm the exact same way because there were multiple times even within my own journey where i was like oh i did not hear that and, and my husband would be like oh yeah they said da, 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 da. and i was like I clearly stopped listening after I heard I was going to lose my hair. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, I stopped listening. Right. I was all wrapped up in my emotions. And so. we tend as patients to c- catastrophize everything. Yeah. That is a big thing that I do. Yep. I will take something and take it to the extreme. And my husband was very good about being like, you did not hear that correctly. Right. So, yeah. Lots of reasons. So we're going to delve into this, people. We're going there. Yep. It's going to be fun. All right. Join us. Until next time. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for being a listener of the Besties with Breasties podcast. If this podcast had a positive impact on your journey, leave us a review or consider becoming a supporter. You can donate with the link in the show notes or at faiththroughfire.org. This episode was hosted by Sarah Hall and Beth Wilmus, audio and production edits by Innovative Frequencies.